I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As things change, other things stay the same, like Ohio Lottery scratch-offs. From small tickets to big tickets, from bright colors to flashy themes, there's something for everyone. Big wins make big stories, but it's the millions of small wins every day that make life-changing memories. And your biggest win will come by following the state-recommended safety protocols during this special holiday season. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Hey everyone, welcome to the Slum Culture Podcast. My name is Dr. Ashira Allen. And my name is Coach Adrian LeCade. And we are swim instructors, educators, advocates, and moms. We love swimming and all things aquatics and always want to positively represent our culture. The Swim Culture. Hey, Adrian. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Cannot complain. Um, still in this, in the house, trying to cope with the COVID nineteen quarantine. Um, even though they're opening up the states, kind of nervous about that, but it's all good. Yeah, I'm overly nervous because we're still going out blind. We don't have enough information and, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to wear my mask, don't wear my mask. I just don't know what to do. So Yeah, things are different from state to state. It's not like we're not on one accord as a country. And so, you know, people are traveling from state to state and wearing masks here and it's different and it's different stores. The girl, they open the mall, they opening the malls up tomorrow here in in Durham, and yeah, it's it's about to be crazy, I think. People protesting at the state, you know, um, state capitals and whatnot, so. Well, they played the last dance and opened up the mall for everybody to get Jordans down here in Atlanta, Georgia, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Georgia is wildest. like, I mean, I've been seeing the pictures of people being out at Piedmont Park, and you know, yeah, so, um, I mean, I go to I, the Beltline because, like, that is walking in my neighborhood in my backyard, yeah, so I yeah. do go to the Beltline, and I mean, I can say, in my experience of walking the Beltline, most people have been pretty considerate, I mean, it has been busy, but it's been pretty considerate, people have definitely been social distancing, they wearing their mask, mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen anything where I've just felt, like, truly uncomfortable, I think people are, like, just so they don't be in the house they're willing to be respectful and I kind of see humanity go a little bit further with that yeah so I agree like in person you know when I go to the store people are in lines people are being considerate it's it's, but the television and the media it seems to be a totally different story I was watching something where up in New York they have 
um, you know, the police are like um, uh, bringing people down to the ground and arresting people for not wearing masks. And like, it's just, I don't know, you don't know what to believe really. Like, you know, media, what they're putting on TV and the news or what you see every day in real life. So, yeah. yeah. The impact of the media is pretty strong. I know for myself, I was at the beginning of the pandemic, getting up every day, watching CNN, watching the numbers, you know, um, seeing what's happening. And it just got to a point where nothing was happening besides I see them running amok of this United States. So it was right. stressing me out. You know, I was, be crazy. Right, I wasn't seeing the the survival rates. I was not, in, mm-hmm. you know, able to see you know, what we're doing towards making it better. It's just like, what can we do towards helping the economy? And I don't know if that's going to be, you know, I don't know how that's going to turn out. I don't know. Yeah, we're just, it seems like we're just, we're just going through the motions and we're we're just, things are changing day by day. And, you know, things that are affecting our livelihoods, people want to get back out and want to work, you know, um, and want to get out and socialize and stuff. And for, for me, like, I want to, again, like we talked about in the first show, like, I, I want to be able to teach my swimming classes. You know, I want to take my son to the pool and get him in the water and go on vacation and go to the beach. You know, we all, we all about aquatics here. So all of my activities, we pretty much aquatic based, but, but yeah, mine too. And that's what I found Mm -hmm. that, um, not even about taking clients right now. I just want to swim myself. Yes. I just want to go get my own workout because I have dedicated my life to swimming and all yes. things aquatic that I have not prepared myself to not have water. So mm-hmm. I haven't prepared myself to, you know, start just walking or jogging versus saying, okay, I can walk a little bit, but I'm going to go hop in the pool or going to go jog, but I'm going to hop in the pool. Like I don't have that extra outlet so um, my workouts have not been to my best. And, you know, I'm wondering, right. I have to sometimes get up and put my jeans on and make sure they still fit. <laughs> exactly. Because walking around in these sweatpants and elastic and and, uh, and tights is not, it's, it's deceiving. It is so deceiving. So, it's so deceiving. Because they stretch with you, people. They stretch with exactly, you. Exactly. They do. It's crazy. <laughs> But um, so I think that question of like, our pool safe is getting in the water safe. You know, things are coming out about more and more information about um, whether or not you can get COVID-19 or coronavirus while participating in aquatic activities. So these questions are important to us. All these questions that we have is, you know, people who love to be in the water and uh, aquatic instructors and educators and advocates we want to know like are the pools really safe um it's water safety month and international water safety day is coming up very soon and so these are questions that are very important um to us and and to i think the the importance of learning aquatic activities and learning how to swim and teaching and and being able to continue the work that we're doing we need to know the answers to these questions. So what do you think? Do you think the pools are safe right now? My opinion, no. Okay. Because we don't know enough information. 
Every right. day I look up, scientists are finding out something new. Um, if chlorine every day, like it, every every minute, like yeah. it seems crazy. If chlor if chlorine can kill the virus, that's great. But the point is that it's airborne. You know, it's a aerosol mm-hmm. disease. Like you know, you're you talk loud, your droplets come out of your mouth, it goes in the air. It's not going to go down and get washed by the chlorine, then decide it wants to go somewhere. Like that's just not how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. So. No, I'm not. I'm not um, totally comfortable. No one has yet, out of the scientists, doctors that I've asked, no one has been able to give me a clear answer on if I'm safe in the pool or not. So mm-hmm. that alone makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, and just even from you know from both of our experiences, teaching all age groups, you know, you know when you are dealing with people who are very like beginner you know, scared of the water, they hold on to you, they are up in your face. It is no such thing as personal space when you are teaching <laughs> anybody, right? And so they I've gotten sinus infections. I oh, have yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So this right here is kinda it's frightening to me to, you know, to be in that close of the, you know, because you have to get close and personal to That's really cool. teach, you know. And so um I know the USA Swimming came out with a response to COVID-19. Have you seen that? Yes. And they came out with a good, like, practice model of um, Mm -hmm. six feet distancing in the water. Yeah. I mean, that sounds good, you know, for, like, the real professional teams who really need this time, especially, um, you know, as we were preparing for the Olympics. Now we've got a little bit of time left. But mm-hmm. I just don't know if I'm trusting my summer league team of 100 kids and half of that 100 are under the age of 10. Right. They're not going to social distance. Man, I'm going to be know. screaming up and down. Dead. Yeah. And I mean. in order for them to social distance, we're going to have to literally like maybe put a hand on their shoulder and make sure they move step, you know, make that step mm-hmm. back, make that step forward. And that's just putting myself and the assistant coaches there uh, mm-hmm. The lifeguards, everyone else on deck in, you know, risk, at risk, right, you know, because right. we yeah. have to be so in their face. And so that's just all of those dynamics, you know, just make and things just not comfortable. All right. So, Ashir, since you and I both are going back and forth, and we're not quite sure. We actually have someone joining us this evening who does. This is Dr. John Williams, who is professor of biology at the Albany State University. Hi. Oh, absolutely. The unthinkable <laughs> Albany State cool. University. Yes. All right. Uh-huh. Welcome <laughs> to the Swim Culture, John. Oh, well, thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's my first podcast, so um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So here's our, more information. our concerns are we don't know where this virus comes from. So are you able to help us like with the origin of where it comes from. We hear bats, we hear a lab. Like, what do you know? Absolutely. So first things first, um, understand that this virus and this this particular family of viruses um, extends back way to BC times. In fact, it's estimated that it could have been 8,000 BC um, that this that this, fam- this family of viruses actually emerged mm-hmm. from the earliest ancestors. Um, as far as in humans and in animals, it was identified in the 1900s. 
Um, a lot of that deals with uh, the techniques and technology that was available to identify viruses at the time. So it probably existed way longer than that, but it was first identified in uh, particularly birds and mammals. Um, in humans, it was first identified around the 1950s and 60s. And so that's the reason why um, if you look on the back of, say, your uh, Lysol or your disinfectant sprays, it says will kill coronavirus. Well, that's because coronavirus is a family of viruses that's been around uh, for millennia, but have been has been identified in humans since the 1950s and 60s. So it's been around. Here's the thing about coronavirus. Uh, coronavirus has several different sub-branches. Um, and so you have the alpha coronaviruses, the beta coronaviruses, uh, gamma and delta and so forth. And so these branches have different effects in the human body. Uh, for example, most of them cause the common cold. So if you ever had a common cold, you probably have had a coronavirus or a rhinovirus, right? So those viruses are pretty, pretty, uh, pretty mild. But the beta line, in particular, if I recall correctly, is the one that's uh, that that has the more pathogenic ones. So you may remember back when SARS was a big deal. Well, SARS was was another version of this COVID virus here. Yes. Um, there was also an outbreak of what's called MERS, which is Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. That was also a beta coronavirus. And so these particular viruses, or this particular set of viruses, they're highly pathogenic mm -hmm. and they cause these major responses that we're seeing now. And so this particular virus, uh, COVID-19, is a SARS virus, um, but it's a new strain and is highly infectious, highly pathogenic, and we weren't prepared for it, which is why we're having so many reactive responses instead of proactive responses. But the virus family has been around for years, um, and there mm -hmm. you've probably had a coronavirus previously. It's not this strain. All right, so okay. with this virus, is it transmitted wow. in water? Okay, so the virus itself is transmitted in droplets, um, this could be liquid droplets such as saliva um, or spit and even so, some mucus. In, uh, I think they've been able to find it in mucus um, as well. Uh, and it's usually aerosol. So it's usually mists and small droplets, not necessarily large amounts of water. However, the virus, um, from what I understand about it, and mind you, um, I'm not a virologist, but we have been doing some work with uh, COVID here in Albany, uh, specifically because Albany is, has been hit heavily. So everybody in the biological community is interested in this, right? Um, mm -hmm. But as far as I've, been, I, I've seen, it can be mm -hmm. transmitted through these aerosols and through water, uh, through water and usually fine mists. That's the reason why they say if, you're, if you have six feet of distance, it'll be harder for someone to pass it through talking. Because you, everybody's been in a conversation with other people, and a little bit of speaking on your lip, and you, you kind of discuss it. You kind of, yeah, you're a little disgusted, but you oh, just kind of wipe it off oh, and be like oh, crazy. Right? But <laughs> we were talking. We were just talking about being being swim instructors yeah. and like just being so close to them, and we have definitely gotten spit on or if people come right. up and, and nobody, swallow nobody means it hard yeah, right, right? okay but yeah, yeah and so yeah, now no, 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 so no, now yeah, this, this distancing yeah. is is to help reduce the spread of those aerosols from one person to the other and six feet is about the average 
um, that, they're, that they're suggesting. And it's it, it's it's not a hundred percent, but it's better than you know being right face to face with someone having a close conversation. That's probably not going to be uh, the best move anytime soon, right? So yeah, um, it can be trans it can be transmitted primarily through um, small liquid drops. Um, and then the other thing to keep in mind is that many of these viruses. And I'm not sure of the specs on what they're finding because every day we're getting new information about COVID. So right. we, you know, what we need to know about it, is, you know, we're not mm-hmm. even halfway through knowing everything about it. But viruses and pathogens in general, sometimes they can even they can mm-hmm. even survive on dry surfaces until they're picked up by something more. You see what I mean? So we, we have to even be careful with things like that. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like on equipment, like on kickboards and um, things that we use to aid in teaching, you know, yeah. uh, people share God. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, oh you, goodness, no. what do you think? Okay. Then? So, because right now <laughs> they're opening up, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the states and, you know, it's summer. So, that's the question of summer camps, swim lessons, swim teams. What is your suggestion as of right now? for swimmers, swim coaches. So for okay, so let's let's talk about swimmers first. Um, and this is this is in the absence of organized swimming. So if you're looking to swim in general, um, the CDC, mm-hmm. uh, the Centers for Disease Control, basically have recommendations for swimming and using uh, aquatic facilities. And their their basic recommendation. Um, mm-hmm. is, a, is about the same as what they recommend for being out of the water, right? Give each other space, no overcrowding, uh, make sure everything is disinfected and so forth. Mm-hmm. So for if for personal swimming, you know, if you have your own pool and it's a limited amount of people that, you know, have either been tested or um, are not showing signs and symptoms, you're probably going to be okay. It's when you go to public venues um, that you don't have any control over who's coming in and who's not, that it becomes a little bit, uh, a little bit tougher. So with that being said, mm-hmm. couple suggestions. Uh, first thing is um, disinfecting materials frequently. Um, I've been to some pools where, you know, they may, they may wipe everything down at the end of the day and hope chlorine, you know, knocks off everything else. But it may be worth wiping things down and disinfecting things like uh, those boards, any goggles, um, any chairs uh, or so forth. Wiping those things down, you know, hourly or every other hour or so, increasing the frequency in which you're keeping things clean, right? Mm-hmm. The second thing is um, you can't count on chlorine to kill everything. Mm-hmm. Um, chlorine does a good job of killing off a lot of a lot of pathogens, especially mm-hmm. bacterial pathogens. However, there are still a number of diseases and they are called RWIs, which, um, and I'm blanking right now as to, as to what are WI, I think recreational water infections or something like that, respiratory water infections, I think. Um, but those are infections that come from, mm-hmm. that can still get to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, through water, through swimming and so forth. And a lot of those infections have some very devastating effects on the body, even before we get to COVID-19. So you can't just count on chlorine to knock it out. I mean, that... Um, mm-hmm. Even before COVID and even after COVID, there's still other diseases that can make you very sick that water that water can transmit to you. Um, go ahead. I remember. Um, I'm. I remember because I had to take 
you know, lifeguards, you have to take classes and stuff about those, uh, those con- diseases that can be mm-hmm. transmitted. And I remember it was E. coli and they were talking about having babies in the pool because you know you have to have the, right. the um, special you know underwear and and you know That's swimwear right. and stuff for their kids and if they poop in the pool or something like that you know people can get no 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 you're absolutely so, right yeah, and the thing is with, with things like E. coli and such before we get back to COVID um, things with like E. coli and such they're naturally found in the body but a lot of these pathogens are what's called opportunistic which means if they're where they're supposed to be, they won't cause any harm. If E. coli stays in your colon and in your fecal matter, you're good. But if E. coli finds its way into your nasal passages, yeah. into your upper respiratory system, into yeah. your upper digestive system, it can make you sick. So, so that's the reason why you know they tell you if babies don't have those special yeah. diapers, you can't swim, right? Um, and and so forth. The other thing, and this is where this is what's important for you guys, because you guys are on the front lines of teaching, swimming, um, coaching and so forth. The biggest thing for you guys is you have to you have to exert your authority if you see individuals who may have symptoms that are COVID related. So it may be worth before you get started uh, purchasing one of those uh, one of those Mm -hmm. head thermometers. And they're not really expensive, um, but purchasing one of those head thermometers. Um, and just taking temperature, um, giving survey. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and not necessarily something that's highly invasive process. or something that's uh, uncomfortable, but something that says, you know, we're checking to make sure that, you know, right. you're okay. You're not bringing anything that's really major to us, right? Um, you're not going to always be 100%, but those are some of the things that you can do. Make sure that when you're instructing uh, your students, if you have to give them physical instruction, you know, just be careful with, you know, giving them space even within the pool and even reducing the amount of students that you have at a time. So say, for example, I don't I, I'm just thinking about my classroom and I don't know what what the what the swimming class looks like. But say, for example, if you've got 15 people in a space that houses that's designed to hold 15 people, if you reduce that to seven, now you've given way more space to those individuals. And that'll reduce the likelihood that they can pass it to each other. Does that make sense? Yes. So even just spreading out that kind of thing or increasing the size of the area that you use to to teach swimming, if possible. Um, Those are just some of the things that you can do to kind of make sure that you're you're keeping your clients safe, uh, that they're having a good time, they're still learning, and that you're also keeping yourself safe. I have a question. What about um, salt water pools or um, going to the beach or to the lakes um, and those areas? Okay. Those so a couple of, of things. Versus yeah. uh, a couple of things. First of all, salt water pools, um, even though okay. they do have, uh, they, they are thought to be a little bit safer. Um, we still don't know what salt water or salt in general will do to this virus. Um, so I would say, and this is just out of an abundance of caution, treat them as if they're fluoridated pools. Um, in terms of ocean water and large bodies of water that are that are recreational, um, on land you still want to give space. Um, so like I wouldn't go to Panama City, you know, during spring break because you know everybody's shoulder to shoulder and that kind of thing. Um, still give space. Um, in the actual water itself, one of the benefits that um, large bodies of water have is that they dilute things 
pretty quickly, right? So for example, if you think about all the animals that are out there that release waste mm. into the ocean, that release urine and feces and all that stuff there, and yet we still swim in it and most of the time we don't get sick. Uh, part of that is because the ocean is so vast that it usually dilutes out a lot of things. So if you're at a beach where there's adequate spacing um, and people who aren't sick or showing signs, or at least they shouldn't be um, out swimming and so forth, then, you know, that though putting those safeguards in place uh, can kind of reduce the likelihood of catching those materials. Still doesn't make it make it the safest. And ideally, I would still wait until, you know, we get the all clear or at least the best all that we can from the respected scientific officials. Some of our government <laughs> officials um, at every um, level are more okay. are more concerned about the economy and so forth and maybe our health. So we still have to exercise, you know, common sense judgments about it. And if it's something that you don't have to do, then don't. Um, I was talking to a, a gentleman earlier today and he and his family are going fishing, but they're going fishing on their on their boat. They're going out in the water to an area where most people aren't. And so they're probably not going to have any trouble with this virus or mm -hmm. any other any other uh, infectious things that are related to this virus um, because they're doing isolation with just themselves. If that makes sense. Um, so part of me is like those larger bodies of water are probably mm -hmm. going to be a little bit safer uh, just because of the dilution factor and so forth. However, it's still one of those things where common sense rules. Need to put a, a close mm -hmm. sign on my business for the summertime. Um, that's that. I'm not quite saying that. Although, if if that worked for you, then that's fine. Um, if you do decide that you're going to take in some customers, maybe some one-on-one. -on -one, um, yeah, could be utilized. Uh, could be utilized, and in doing those one-on-one -on -one sessions, mm -hmm. making sure that before they come in, everything is everything is clean. After they leave, everything is clean before the next person comes in. Um, you know, using larger spaces, if you have access to larger spaces and reducing the amount of sessions. So maybe an hour and 30 minutes instead of 45 minutes and then meet twice a week instead of three or twice a week instead of four. You know, some of those things that reduce contact, you know, but still get mm -hmm. the same quality because ultimately this, you know, swimming is a vital is a vital skill, man. Um it's a vital skill and people need to learn how to swim. So um, you want them to be able to learn what they need to learn to be effective uh, with this particular life skill. Um, but, you know, just some of those common those common sense practices and some of those commonplace measures you can use to kind of help reduce the likelihood that it will spread. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Williams, for coming on here. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. Our problem. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, I'm, I'm glad yeah, you think so. Like I said, it. this is my first time doing a podcast. So, um, <laughs> you know, this is this is this was fun. This is fun. Thank you so much for this. No problem, time. ladies. Y'all take yeah. care. Okay. <laughs> so, Sharon, that was really good information from Dr. Williams. What do you feel about it? I feel it was amazing information um, that we could take with us into um, teaching our clients and moving forward whenever we feel comfortable getting back into the pool. Um, and so, for me me teaching at a university and having like 20 students in the classroom, um, it's probably going to be different than teaching and having the option to teach private lessons or, you know, semi-private. But 
I do feel better um, and know more information than I did before. Um, so I'm grateful that he came on and shared the information with us. Well, I feel the same. I feel the same way I did. <laughs> I don't trust him. <laughs> You're like, no, uh-uh, I, we are not. He gave me great, he gave great information. I thought it was honest. That was the most mm -hmm. honest answer that I've heard because the media has told yeah. us everything. That's a very mm -hmm. honest answer. And that answer can, to me, make me make a better decision of how I want to move forward business-wise. I right. do not want to do anything in a public pool. Yeah. So that okay. will unfortunately cut out some of the programs that I run, but I'm not, I, I just can't do it because I just don't trust that the pools in certain communities are going to do their due diligence in keeping, mm -hmm. you know, the safety guidelines in place, keeping mm -hmm. things clean and controlling mm -hmm. people's behaviors. So I just, I don't feel like that's the best place to be. Um, people's private pools in their backyards. Yeah, I think I can do that. But I definitely, okay. public pools, nah. Okay, well, you know, well, and we'll see. Hopefully, it won't be like a whole nother, you know, year or so before we can get back to, you know, educating most, you know, lots of people. Um, but under, I understand you have to put yourself first and you have to uh, make sure that you're safe because you want to, you don't want to be, um, putting yourself at risk because, you know, you have an important job to do. We have an important job to do in educating, you know, people about aquatics and the importance of water safety. So that's, that's very necessary. Do what you got to do, girl. Well, this is a part of water safety because it's also, it's, yeah. it, you know, it, it's, it's a, no, I mean, it's I mean, a, getting in the pool, the face to face, that's what I mean. Well, yeah, but even with that, just knowing, you know, moving forward, we talk about water safety, okay. but do we ever talk about making sure that we look at the conditions of water when we're, that's you know, true. looking, when we walk into a pool, look at the conditions around us because we should automatically know it's hazardous. And those mm -hmm. are things that I teach my kids. Like you walk in a pool, if you, you see, have, yeah, you, have to highlight that. you know, glass or, you know, just things that could go dangerous, like point it out, you know, or mm -hmm. go the opposite direction if it's none of your business. But, um, yeah, that's all a part of water safety, first aid and safety and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to teach that too. Great. All right, girl. So good conversation. Got a little enlightenment this evening. Yes. Hopefully you all did too. You know, let us know if, you know, there are any other concerns that you all may have after listening to Dr. Williams about his insight on the coronavirus and when it comes to us being in aquatic spaces. Let us know what you think. Well, this ends this episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. If you have any questions, remember you can reach out to us at theswimculture at gmail.com. We will look forward to hearing from you. And please tune in to the next episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can get involved by following us at the Swim Culture on Instagram and Facebook. See you all in the water.
two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.